You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift and the blessing of this day. Um, You richly bless us, and um, I would imagine the folks in here are a lot like me, um, and it's so easy to lose sight of you and focus upon you and focus upon our concerns and our anxieties and our fears Uh, And yet you again and again mercifully draw near to us. You call to us. You promise that you will not leave us, but that in fact you will send your Holy Spirit. Pray that you would tune our hearts and our minds, our wills um, to you, Lord, because you are the life giver, not the life taker. And I pray that we would, um, that you would enable us by the work of your Spirit in us to enable us to listen. And finally, I, I pray at this time, that not my words, uh, ultimately by any stretch, but that your living word would go forth and bring to us the hope and the life and the salvation found therein. This I ask this offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's funny, you, you mentioned, uh, share a story with you all. So, um, the, uh, kind of what William did. So, in seminary, the first summer, you work as a hospital chaplain doing what they call CPE, clinical pastoral education. And then the second summer, most dioceses, where I was from, you, they had you work with a church, work with a parish um, for the summer, and that was, you know, that was my deal. But that first summer, uh, I remember as a hospital chaplain, you know, um, you were super green, um, and God bless the people, you know, they just let you loose on folks. Um, and, and it's, you know, the interesting thing about hospital chaplaincy, and I think I may have mentioned this last time, um, I did actually, you know, you're going in, I shared another story, but you know, you're going in, you have no relationship with the folks. It's challenging enough if you know the people, but you know, you don't know, you have no idea what you're walking into, uh, past history, dynamics, um, you know, every, you know, uh, that great saying, the past is prologue. Um, you, you know, nothing about their past, you're only meeting them in the moment. Well, one night when I was on call, I was called into this room, uh, this woman on the oncology ward, and she was dying. Um, and uh, one of the things she uh, all, I mean, she, she, she seemed like she had a, a hundred family members. I mean, you know, uh, all these people were gathered in this uh, small hospital room, um, and she had these questions for me. And, you know, uh, are the streets of heaven really paved um, with gold? Um, am I going to be able to... Um, you know, let my kids know that I'm okay. You know, you know, some, you know, some of the questions you're like, well, the whole paper going like, is that really that big a deal? But then, you know, well, my kids, you know, you, your heart felt for well, my kids know that I'm okay. Well, I'd be able to let them know that I'm okay. Well, I felt this tremendous pressure because standing next to me was her son that was clearly a bouncer at a strip bar. Um, he had this, <laughs> he had this, um, Golf shirt on with this airbrushed nude woman. Uh, I'm not making this up. Like that took up the entire back of the shirt. You know all these tats, uh, and and I just felt a certain you know pressure. I'm like I got to get this right. You know, so she was asking me all these questions. It was funny because you know at the end of the day I said, look, um, there's some there's look there's a there's a there's a lot that I don't know, but but here's what I do know. Um, you know, here's what I know about the nature of God is as he's revealed himself to us in Jesus, you know, that he's a good shepherd, that he's willingly laid down his life for us and taken it up again. That he says, I go before you to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you uh, may be also. And that he promises to us that he's not going to leave us 
uh, as orphans, but that he'll send his Holy Spirit. So it was, you know, one of those instances where, you know, that that arrow prayer, um, God be with me, God uh, guide me, was wonderfully graciously answered as the Spirit gave the words to share. It's like when Jesus you know, tells his followers, look, uh, you're going to be dragged before the authorities um, uh, and you're going to be called upon to give an answer. Don't don't worry about it. Don't you know, you don't have to prepare your speech ahead of time. When the time comes, I'll give you the words. Uh, I'll give you the words to speak. Uh, when the time comes, I'll give you the words to speak. Um, one commentator, as I read that, said that doesn't apply to preachers. Uh, he said, you know, your date's coming up, so do your homework. Uh, but this is that's that's a different uh, that's a different story. So we've been talking about the benign unsettling of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things I shanked on last week and. We'll go down the list of things I shanked on in a minute. But one of the things I thought about is, you know, I didn't really do a good job of defining benign. Um, what do we mean? And this isn't um, this isn't you know, uh, English vocabulary class. I'm not going to call on you. Define benign. Uh, but, you know, the, and really, I didn't really think about it. I mean, one of the first things you think about when you hear the word benign is medical, right? Um, you know, you think about, okay, Oh, you know, thank heavens, it's it's benign. Um, you know, that's you know, if you're getting a biopsy, that's the word you want to hear, benign, and that's a that's a great and glorious word. But when we think of benign as well, though, you tend to think of benign as something um, that is um, uh, if powerless or without negative effect, perhaps, as you think about it, benign in, in that sense. And that's um, that's not what I mean when I use the word um, benign. And as you go, you know, as you go to your dictionary, as you go to your um, thesaurus, there's a lot of different definitions of what that word benign means. And the way that I'm talking about the benign unsettling in the Holy Spirit, the benign unsettling of the Holy Spirit is well-intended. Um, benign in the sense of, as it's uh, often used to describe, uh, an, an effort uh, from someone or a word from someone or an action uh, from someone that's actually well intended. Uh, the the intent um, is um, to be kind. The attempt is to be um, gracious. The intent is to be uh, helpful or or life giving. And so, yeah, you know, part of what I'm perhaps stumbling around trying to express is the way in which God wonderfully um, works for um, our well being, works for our life, works for our salvation, works. Um, to fill us, works to heal us, works to restore us, works to ultimately bring us into relationship with Him and with one another. That that work of the Holy Spirit is is a life-giving work. Uh, it's a constant life-giving work in our lives and in our relationships. But one of the things I'm trying to invite you along with me um, to think about is also um, uh, the the way that God sometimes works in our lives, you think, all right, um, and uh, are you really trying to help me, God? Uh, because quite frankly, what it feels like is you're unsettling me. Um, and to say that I believe, and this is my opinion, you can you can take this or leave this, but I think that the answer is yes. Um, God does uh, at times, and does oftentimes work to, in some ways, unsettle us, um, work to unmoor us. Uh, he nudges us, challenges us um, in um, in our lives. In order that, and we talked about this some last time, in order that we might be genuinely grounded um, in something in Him, um, in a way that will actually sustain us, 
um, will actually be the thing that, that we need um, in our lives rather than the things that are transitory. And so last time I invited this to be a conversation, um, and I would love for that to be the case again um, today. Uh, if it's if it's rhetorical, then so be it. But um, you know, would love the opportunity for this to be a conversation. We drew from last week. Uh, for those of you who weren't able to be with us, and I just recommend you um, go and read through the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. Uh, and in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus promises to his followers. You remember. Uh, the 13th chapter ends with Jesus telling Peter and the others that they will um, deny him uh, and that he will be handed over and that he'll suffer. Uh, he'll be rejected, that he'll be crucified, but that he would indeed uh, be raised again. And of course, that leaves them dramatically unsettled. And Jesus says, look, it's good. It's a good thing for you that I'm that I'm going away. Um, but they're, they're unsettled. And 14, Jesus begins, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And he goes on and he promises to give the Holy Spirit that we would not be orphans, but that he would be with us as our helper, as our comforter, as our advocate, um, as as our strength. And so we talked about that. We talked about some of the ways in which we discern um, what are the things that we go to, that we look to, commanding scripture. Um, you know, oftentimes, uh, sometimes we make things harder, um, harder than they really are. Uh, when scripture is already uh, when scripture is already spoken to it, um, uh, commanding scripture. We talked about the council of the saints, how we draw upon people within the community of faith. Um, they're they're people that we that we turn to, that we that we get their counsel, that we get their guidance. Um, that's one of the beautiful things, um, and I think we often, particularly in our culture, don't really avail ourselves of, is the fact that God and the work of His Spirit calls us together as a community. You know, the imagery which is often given by Paul uh, and others is the imagery of the body, um, that we're knit together. Jesus uses, you know, the imagery of the vine and the branches, among other things. And often, well, let me ask you this. When you're going through times of challenge, what's your first response? Prayer. Prayer. That's good. Kate the Christian, thank goodness. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Prayer. That's good. Good answer. Yeah. What? What? What else? I mean, why? yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Exactly. Why? Why me? In the natural, you're fearful. Fearful. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the ways our our enemy works is in a desire to isolate us. Uh, and I know a, a lot of times myself when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm going through challenging times. And again, I should. I should know, um, you know, uh, prayer and drawing on the strength of the community of faith and et cetera. But yeah, a lot of times it's fear. Uh, a first reaction is, you know, either a, a, a concern, an anxiety, a fear, a despair, a, you know, basically of looking at all the things that are lacking. You know, what's 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 not enough. Um, starting starting at that place um, first. Uh, yeah, fear and uh, and and anxiety and 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 worry and, and basically a sense of um, that this is this is a dire situation and um, uh, it's you know oh well it's probably there it is I, I, I joke with my gal Paula I've diagnosed her um, in case you're wondering and she's of course diagnosed me multiple times um, with different you know mental mental health um, issues and um, but one of the things that uh, if she were here um, 
uh, she could, you know, she could respond, which is great. She's not. Um, so I have the floor uh, with this particular moment. But one of the things I've you know, diagnosed her with years ago is a condition I like to refer to as anticipatory grief. Um, and, and, I, and, and I'll say I, I, I often suffer from anticipatory grief as well. And so in the, in the Craig Smalley um, medical definition of anticipatory grief, it's, it's this, is um, envisioning a, a possible case scenario uh, and then just dwelling on it um, all the way to its to its um, nth. Um, it's like okay, you know that's possible, but it's not probable. You know what if? I'm like, well, that that is possible. However, but I, I think that's so true. Often of us, we're just like, ah, oh, we can get there, and we we come to places of fear, we come to places of anxiety. Uh, we imagine um, worst case scenarios, and I and I do think that our enemy, and we have an enemy. I mean, the Bible talks about we have an enemy. And that's one of the ways our enemy loves to work, um, is by sowing those seeds of fear and sowing those seeds of anxiety and sowing those seeds of despair. And Jesus is very honest that life has challenges and hardships. In this world, you will have trouble, um, he says, but, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. When he so regularly tells us, uh, do not be fearful, do not be anxious, he says that so often because we are often fearful and anxious. And he's well aware of that when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So it's not a, it's not a denial uh, of the challenges uh, of this life, but, but wonderfully God um, graciously works in the midst of those, works um, through those, promises us uh, his power uh, and his presence, which are infinitely greater. And the way that our enemy likes to work is um, basically to isolate us. Uh, to isolate us from God and to isolate us from one another, uh, basically to drive us into hiding. Yeah, Joe. Craig, could the opposite of that be anticipatory joy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you wanted to be positive and Christian about it, yeah, um, uh, that's, that's right. But yeah, with, without a doubt. Um, I mean, because that's that is, of course, wonderfully um, the the promise uh, is of is of a joy. You know, uh, that same portion of John I referenced a moment ago. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Yeah, that that promise of joy, uh, that promise of peace. Uh, no, I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that, absolutely. Um, and I think we're right um, to anticipate joy. Uh, I listened to a talk not too long ago. It was really good, and I wish... Um, I need to find it again, and uh, it was through Mockingbird, uh, Ember.com is the website, and they have podcasts and so forth. Um, Talking Bird uh, is actually uh, among their po- podcasts, but the title of this one was God is Not Mad at You. Um, I thought, what a, what a, great, uh, what a great title. That, you know, that's sometimes the fear, uh, isn't it? Uh, and that's what our enemy would say. You know, God is mad at you. I wouldn't talk to him right now. Um, or, you know isolating us and having us dwell, um, drawing us away from God, drawing us away from one another. And and the Spirit wonderfully works to move us toward God um, and toward um, one another. Well, the biblical text for today is uh, Matthew 14 uh, is our text for today as, as we think about the wonderful way in which the Spirit works, the wonderful way, yes, in which sometimes the, the Spirit puts us in situations um, which are uh, 
which which ultimately invite us uh, and lead us to, to focus upon him and his sufficiency and his provision. Joe, thinking about your comment there about joy a moment ago as well, uh, you know, the book of Revelation, um, you know, the book of Revelation is understandably one of those books a lot of folks think, you know, um, I'm getting to Revelation. Um, and there is a lot within there that's um, fantastic or, or, or spectacular or, or confusing. But at the end of the day, what Revelation tells us is that God wins. Um, what Revelation wonderfully tells us is, is that God wins uh, and, and that his that in his kingdom, uh, that his kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth, um, the, there there will be um, no gates there because there'll be no need to be protected um, from anything. There'll be um, joy. There'll be um, light. Um, and and the light uh, in the midst of that place will, will suffuse everything as, as God himself will be the light uh, of that place, that, that presence of joy, that presence of peace, that presence uh, of light, that that ultimate assurance which we have. So Matthew 14 is, um, and you're welcome to turn to it if you want. Uh, I'll, I'll read it as well, but it's 14.22. And in Matthew, uh, Mark, and John, um, there, uh, there is this uh, account of Jesus walking on water, um, of the disciples um, in a storm, and of Jesus uh, walking on water, What's unique to Matthew's account is is Peter um, stepping out uh, of the boat uh, and and walking uh, toward Jesus. That that is unique to Matthew's account of this. And I'll see a few words of um, uh, I'll see a few words of of context. Uh, this one this follows right after um, the feeding of the five thousand. Um, so in each of the accounts, this follows right after uh, the feeding of the five thousand. And so Jesus um, feeds um, 5,000, uh, we're told, basically, um, it, well, in, in Matthew's, it, it says uh, in a, uh, uh, well, basically kind of, you know, you're out there, you're, you're in the wilderness. Um, uh, but let me ask you this, uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000 for the people of Jesus's day, um, what do you think this might bring up in their in their memory, yeah, the, the 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 manna from heaven. I mean, that which was you know part of the their their primary understanding of God and their understanding of themselves and their relationship with God. Uh, the God feeding them in the wilderness um, with manna. God feeding them when it seemed like you know, well, one, it, it clearly came from God. Um, uh, you know, manna in the in the wilderness is is clearly. Um, a gift that, that comes from God and God's sort of loving and gracious provision um, for uh, for his people. And that, uh, you know, here, again, here's another one. What the, that feeding with the manna um, uh, in the wilderness, what what defining event for the people of Israel did that follow? The, 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 the exodus, you know, it, it follows the exodus. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of early, so I thought we'd go with some easier ones, um, you know, <laughs> like me too. It's kind of like, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have all this, you know, all this imagery and it's like, you know what, that, that reminds me of this and, and that, wait a minute, that, that brings, that brings to mind, um, and, and the wonderful way in which God, 
uh, again, going back to back to the scriptures, there's a great uh, account in um, uh, in Joshua when the people uh, are entering uh, are entering in as well. Of course, you have the Exodus, the uh, defining event where God delivers His people from slavery. Uh, he parts the waters and He leads them across from those who would not only enslave them, but from those who would destroy them. Um, and and He leads them into this promised land. But of course, there's this time of of, of being led. Um, of being formed and of being fashioned as as God's people, and and this is to some degree my application. Again, you're welcome to agree or disagree with this, but I uh, and I think this speaks to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. Is um, <laughs> for the people of Israel, I'll ask you, in that in their time in the wilderness, did they follow a straight path? Exactly. Um, I mean, it's you know anything. Anything but a, a straight path. It kind of reminds me of some of the movies um, back, you know, maybe it was sort of during the 70s. Um, you know, before the movie began, there'd be sort of this little animated portion as all the names came up and there'd be musical. And oftentimes you'd have all these footprints going sort of in these random, like the Pink Panther or something. Um, you know, all these, you know, they're going all over the place. Well, that's that was kind of like the people in the wilderness. It was not it was not a straight path. Um they were not getting better every day. Um, they were not, you know, it, it was definitely not GPS-led. Um, it was not direct. So to say that the work of the Holy Spirit in yours and my life as well, and our fashioning and our being formed um, by God, uh, our being formed and fashioned in His image, our being built up in some ways, pruned in other ways, to say that, you know, it's okay if your life is not a straight line also. Um, if, if you haven't gone from strength to strength uh, in, a, in, a, in a perfectly upward, linear fashion to say that, you know, no shocker. Um, that's, 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 that's understandable. But yeah, you have Jesus in the wilderness uh, and the feeding of the 5,000. Of course, he, you know, the, the, the gift of the fish um, and the loaves, his looking up to heaven uh, and saying, uh, a blessing, his breaking these loaves uh, and distributing to the people. Uh, and so, I mean, the feeding of the 5,000 tells us innumerable things, but, uh, and I'm going to read in just a moment from Michael Green, has some great stuff to say about this, but among the things that we see um, is God's ability to take woefully uh, inadequate resources and enable them to be more than enough. God's ability to take woefully inadequate resources uh, and to make them more than enough, uh, and I, uh, is, isn't that isn't that wonderful news? Uh, isn't that good news? And I, and again, I think that's one of the things that's so easy for us to lose sight of uh, when we become anxious, when we become fearful. God's ability, uh, and not simply His ability, but but actually His desire um, to provide. Um, from woefully inadequate resources and, and to enable them to be more than enough because, of course, that's part of the amazing story of the feeding of the 5,000, not that they were simply fed, but that there was uh, infinitely more left over, um, that there was more uh, than enough. Uh, and to quote Michael Green, uh, he, he writes this, He takes the resources pitifully inadequate provided by his disciples. He multiplies them over and over again, and there is more left over at the end than there was at the beginning. Such is the power of the Messiah, and that is good news. Uh, he's able to take these woefully uh, inadequate 
resources, um, and he's able to provide more um, than enough. And, and, and you know, there's a there's a there's a resonance here uh, as well because Jesus is is making a statement, uh, and he's also uh, making a claim here. Uh, by his providing food in the wilderness, what claim is he making? I, 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 I think you know. Yeah, not only that he will take care of us, but he's saying. But what is he saying? Who who is he saying I am? Yeah, he's saying you know I'm 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 the one who feeds um, in the wilderness. Uh, I'm the one who basically provides um, out of nothing. Jesus makes a statement here. Jesus makes a claim of of divinity here. And actually, in John's gospel, if you remember. They want to make him king by force. Um, they they see this and they say, wait a minute, this this must be the Messiah. This must be the one. And they want to make him king by force. We're told in John's gospel. But in each of them, one of the things that we that we hear, um, and this is I pick up in 22 here. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So um, he didn't send them anywhere specifically. He just said immediately he got him in the boat and sent him to the other side, uh, which, which you know, it's kind of like if you have kids or something and you see things, you're like, all right, we got to get them out of here. Just send them, <laughs> just send them somewhere. You know, whatever. It's it's Thanksgiving dinner and it's like, okay, I see where this is going. We need to get the kids out of here or whatever it might be. It's like, all right, this is uh, we we see where this is we see where this is going. So he sends them he sends them away, of course. And if you remember, well, let me read it for us now. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll pause there um, for just a moment. Um, Jesus went up uh, on the mountain by himself um, to pray. And that's one of the things that the, uh, you know, the, the Gospels note again and again and again. This uh, Jesus... Well, his his listening, uh, he's he's seeking the presence of God, is seeking the power of God, is seeking um, the voice of God. And I mean, I know you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sometimes I think, yeah, 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 when I say this, but it's it's dramatic. Uh, we we see in the model and the example of Jesus um, that that prayer uh, was a life source, that that prayer was a source of clarity and a source of power um, in his life. He went on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So the, the, the fourth watch of the night, the, um, uh, the, the Jews at that time broke the day up into uh, sort of, I was going to say, Three quarters, but that wouldn't be accurate. Um, uh, yeah. So three trimesters. Um, so they broke it up into you know the the day and, and the Romans used uh, used four. So basically, what what we're told here is this is the middle of the night. So I don't know. Well, it's about three. Say it's three in the morning. Uh, if any of y'all have ever been out um, uh, at night uh, on on the water um, in, in in a storm, that's a that is an unsettling. Feeling it, quite frankly, it doesn't have to be the night. If you know, if you've been out on the uh, in the day, out on the water, and you're kind of out, and and the storm comes, that's that's a very that's a very disconcerting uh, that's a very disconcerting feeling. And I and I've certainly had this experience, and many of you probably have as well. 
you suddenly feel very, very small, um, uh, and you suddenly feel very, very helpless. And you know, you can you can be as tough as you want on land, um, but when you get out on on the water and and the winds uh, rise and the waves rise and the boat uh, is not really sufficient. Interestingly, the boat um, that they were likely in um, and and uh, Mark's gospel when we hear about Jesus sleeping uh, and stilling the storm, uh, the the both they they found boats you know kind of around the Sea of Galilee basic carbon dating etc from you know from that time it's the, the boats were about 24 feet um, you know not 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 tiny but you know again in a in a storm that's not that that large a boat uh, you know about 24 feet and 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 four there was a little section um, sort of platform where they could cast their nets and, and sort of the same aft and then in the middle there was you know it was it was down. One thing interesting I'll, I'll note is that, um, a little bit of trivia, what is the only time we, we read in the Bible of Jesus sleeping? In, in the boat in the storm. Yeah, the, the only time we read, you know, the only time, not that, you know, the gospel writers were in, I'm sure Jesus slept every day, and the gospel writers probably didn't think they needed to note, uh, and Jesus went to sleep again. Um, <laughs> really kind of a non-essential point um, to make, perhaps, but the one time we see Jesus uh, sleeping in the Bible is actually in the midst of, uh, in the midst of the storm. Um, uh, there, there seems to be a significance. So here we are, you know, three um, in the morning, and the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I Kind of feel like that's a healthy reaction um, uh, to say, okay, wait a minute, you know, what's 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 going on here? So they uh, they crowd in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, um, saying, "Take heart, um, it is I. Uh, do not uh, be afraid." Uh, the in the original language, that "take heart" basically has the the same emphasis, the same sort of phrasing of be encouraged. Um, you know, take 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 heart, um, be uh, be encouraged. Do not um, do not be afraid, uh, is what Jesus says to them in this. Take heart, um, it, it is I. Uh, be encouraged, do not be afraid. Why? Because uh, it, is, it is I. Uh, it's, it's Jesus. That is, that is who is here. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat uh, and walked on the water and came to Jesus but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, uh, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, um, you are the Son of God. Well, let me ask you this, and I know this is incredibly um, broad and and random to some degree but yeah what's this um, I would imagine this is a story that you've you've heard before and you've heard uh, applied uh, in in different ways but yeah what's your first reaction to that as you as you hear that you're welcome to comment or not um, yes Sandy. one thing I thought about and I'm sure everybody here has had these two what I call God moments or Holy Spirit moments and I think it's when maybe not verbally, but mentally, we're crying out mm-hmm. for help. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of God's way of speaking to us, whether mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a, um, 
John has several stories. The one with the red bird and the family had lost a child and wanted to make sure she was okay. Or mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. rainbow when, you know, when you're in a really dark place. Mm-hmm. Things like that, I feel like that, that story reminded me yeah. of maybe the Holy Spirit or Jesus' way of reminding us, oh, you have a little faith. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Right. And um, I bet everybody here has one of those. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Times. No, absolutely. No, thank you. I appreciate that. I think you're absolutely. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. What? What? What else, uh, folks? I do think that it seems, and and this has been true in some ways of um, my life, is that uh, seemingly. Again, kind of going back to the benign unsettling. Um, more often than not, God seems to. Uh, I, you know, this is inaccurate. I was going to say God seems to appear in my life in the midst of storms. I think it's the reality of, in storms, I tend to cry out a lot more, <laughs> and, it's, and in storms, I, I tend to look uh, a lot more, and in storms, I tend to listen um, a lot more. I think it has a lot more to do with uh, I'm actually uh, I'm actually looking, uh, I'm actually listening, I'm actually crying out. You know. Lord, save me. Jesus, um, save me in times of, uh, in times of trial, uh, and in, in, in times of, of challenge. It's not necessarily the storm that brings God about, uh, but it's the storm that, that causes me to look, um, uh, and, and, and to, and to lift up, and to lift up my head and, and to call out. Um, and I think that's, I think that is so often, um, uh, that's so often true, uh, the way in which we experience uh, you know, we, we call it God coming to us, but again, I think it's more more accurate to say um, our noticing um, uh, and 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 our looking um, in those in those times. I was um, talking to a friend of mine recently. Asked him if I could share this. He said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." I said, "Well, I'll change the names to protect the innocent." Um, but he was um, going through a, a time of uh, of job transition in his life, um, and. Uh, well, let me ask you this: How do y'all typically feel when you're going through a time of job transition? You know, it's a time of yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, even you know, even you know, they talk about um, you know, they um, they 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 talk about those times of transition or challenging, even if it's retirement, even if you know, if it's a if it's a good thing, it's you know, the, those times of transition are anxiety-producing, particularly too if it's you know you're still working and you know you're worried about. You know all the stuff that we worry about. You know, paying this and and paying that, and you know, a sense of identity in what we do, and a sense of wanting to be a person who contributes, uh, a person who has, you know, who makes a difference, who has an identity through all the uh, all the things, large and small, that 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 we um, wrap up with, uh, that we sort of you know get bound up with, but. It was making a, a transition, and it's been like any transition. It's been a, a process in times of encouragement, and times of uh, challenge, times and like times of optimism and joy. Like you know, this is looking good. In times of pessimism, like you know what, this ship's going down, um, and, and I'm going down with it. And that's you know, you know, remember me well, because uh, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it out of this. And he was saying, just uh, trying to. Uh, work out all these details, and he's a he's a lawyer, and he was telling me about um, uh, he was in the shower. Is it is it anyone else that sometimes you kind of have some of your greatest moments of clarity in the shower? 
I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. It's, maybe it's that you know, who knows? Just washing all that away. But sometimes, like the you know the uh, you know the, the shower is that is that moment of of clarity. And so he's you know he was taking a shower and uh, he just got this sense. You know what? There's there's this guy I needed to call. Uh, you know, call call Billy today. Um, that was. That was it. Oh, that was the, you know, that was the theophany there. Call Billy. Um, you know, it's like, all right. Is there anything else? So anyway, um, he, he goes into his office, uh, and his secretary says, Oh, Billy called. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so he goes in, he says, oh, so he, he goes in, he says, all right. So he, he goes and he goes to call him. He said, not only did I call him, but he said he actually picked up the phone. And as y'all know, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. when you make, I mean, that's like the Holy Spirit at work. When you make a call and someone picks up the phone, <laughs> you know, or maybe it's just me that screamed. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of like, that's a, bi- that's a big deal. When you make a phone call and someone picks up the phone. So not only in the shower, you know, it's a sense of, um, uh, you know what? In the shower, you know, call Billy. He gets to his office. So says, Billy called you. He goes and he calls him and he, and he picks up the phone. And in some ways, this isn't a, this isn't a, you know, in some ways, it's not a huge deal. It was this, uh, it was this uh, case that he was working on trying to settle. It was, it was, you know, it was a roadblock. It was in, it was in the way. Um, and it was really kind of blocking the way of his moving into that which was, you know, next, that which he really felt um, called to, that which was, you know, more thrilling, exciting, um, not in the sense of, oh, it's going to be all great, but the sense of, you know, this seems to be where God's leading me, this seems to be where God's calling me, but like, there, so often there are these things that are in the way. Well, he calls him about this, and uh, anyway, uh, they, they got it resolved that morning. It's kind of one of those things that's like, you know, has just taken for ever and then suddenly it's like okay the the stone is the stone is rolled away the stumbling block um is removed uh, and, and suddenly boom it was uh it was it was done and it uh, just that tremendous sense of uh, of thanksgiving uh, of of god hearing and responding to and 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 answering um prayers uh, of god's presence uh, and god's um guidance going through times of Anxiety and fear and unsettlement uh, and all of that, and yet uh, God wonderfully removing the obstacles and that that sense of joy, that sense of peace, that sense of purpose, well, that sense of sort of hope, new life, new start um, that came um, out of all of that. And 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 as I uh, I share that with you, I mean, one of the things that I want to um, one of the things I want to say to you uh, is is the reality of of, of God's. God's gracious to desire to do that for you and for me as well. Uh, not in any vending machine sort of way. You know, I'm going to put this prayer in and I'm going to pull this button and then God's going to, you know, God's going to do this for me. It, um, I haven't found that vending machine. Um, if, it's, if it's out there, not in that sense, but that, the, the wonderful way in which God desires to draw us to himself. Uh, the wonderful way that, that in that relationship with him, in, in, in prayer, uh, in and listening to him and talking to others uh, within the community of faith, the way that we're strengthened, the way that we're um, given sufficient um, for the day, the way that we're given um, a clarity, not, uh, as I say, not not ease, not everything wrapped up neatly in a bow, but the wonderful way in which God um, desires to work uh, and desires to show his love and his grace and his care and his presence um, in our lives and the the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit for us. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. Any um, any questions uh, y'all have or any comments you have? I'd say about the, I'm glad you mentioned the grace because 
I don't always pray when I need to be or for what I need. Sometimes I don't know what I need. Mm-hmm. But God he knows our hearts. Yeah. And that experience where he mm-hmm. provided what I need. Yeah. Without any questions. Absolutely. So that's the example you mentioned grace a couple of times. Yeah. And then other times we're praying in the branch of the way I hope we wouldn't and other times not so much. But he's there's a there's a, a, a this great author Eugene Peterson and uh, a long obedience in the same direction. Um, it's a really it's a it's a it's a he's a wonderful um, author and it's discipleship in an instant society is its uh, is its subtitle. But he talks about the way in which God works in this and actually uh, a portion that I was reading recently about service, um, and he talks about how God invites us into uh, the redemptive, uh, how God invites us into the redemptive life, but also how, I mean, I was going to say more often, not more often, always God knowing our needs better than we know them ourselves. Uh, and and some of the situations in which we find ourselves in are not, um, certainly not the ones we choose, but God knowing our needs better than we know them ourselves, knowing and he's and he's working for us to be fashioned and strengthened. Um, I'll just I'm going to read briefly this, and we'll close uh, we'll close with this. Um, and it, this is Michael Green's commentary on this, which is really uh, wonderful and encouraging. And he, and he talks about what happened to Peter, not to be too simplistic, but but there is a lot of uh, truth to it. And sometimes we do make things harder and less clear than they are. Um, before us, I mean, Peter, his eyes went from Jesus to the wind. His eyes went uh, from Jesus um, to the waves, uh, and and when that happened, he began to sink. Now, if I were to tell you today, well, you know, what? you just need to keep your eyes on Jesus, that would be a very unkind thing to do. Because here's the thing: how well are you going to do with that? Well, God, I mean, just you know, quit looking at the waves and just fix your eyes on Jesus. Well. It, has that worked for you? Uh, <laughs> so I'm not just saying, hey, just quit paying attention to all the other stuff and, you know, doggone it. Um, fix your eyes on Jesus and it'll all be good. It's That's true, but um, it's like, but uh, we know the reality is, yeah, we're going to get swept up from time to time. Uh, but wonderfully, what we see Peter doing when he gets swept up, what does he say? Help. 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 Save me. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and, and wonderfully, uh, and wonderfully, uh, Jesus does. Um, well, I'm just going to read uh, this, and then we will. Um, uh, I'll end on this. It's a rather long, so bear with me. We have already seen Jesus stilling the storm. The new development here is that Jesus comes to them in the storm. Jesus walks on the storm. Jesus invites the trusting disciple to share that victory parade with him. And when Peter gets out of the boat to go to Jesus, he finds it works. He can walk on the storms of life, and then he wonders what he is doing. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He looks at the wind and the waves, and he begins to get engulfed. But then Peter, the prince of the apostles, shows the way of overcoming failure for others to follow. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He did not wait until he was drowning. As soon as he felt himself sinking, he called out to the Lord. And at once Jesus reached out his hand to him and caught him, saying, You have little faith, why did you doubt? It is not possible to question the value of this story to the Christian community for which Matthew wrote. It was a pattern both of unbelief and of faith. 
They were called to go to Jesus to direct their lives to the walk of faith, but storms often beset them and fear chilled them. And as power, they could for a while do what would otherwise have been impossible until they considered what they were doing and reflected on the size of the waves. Then, of course, they would begin to sink until they cried out to the Son of God for his powerful hand to catch them up um, and to hold them up. Isn't that a, isn't that a pattern for our, um, for our life and for our faith? Uh, that is what the story would have been used for and still is. So those who were struggling to build a church of largely Jewish believers in the northern part of Palestine in the 70s could take enormous encouragement from these two stories. The Jesus they worshipped both fed them in the Eucharist and preserved them in the storms of life. Their part was to trust. His part was and is to save. Their part was to trust. His part was and is um, to save. No wonder the disciples acclaim him afresh as Son of God and the light of both the feeding uh, and the stilling of the storm. And this is the last part. This is picked up at the end of chapter 14 when the people recognized who he was. They longed for their sick friends to touch the edge of his cloak, and as many as touched were healed. Those who merely touched a crust of bread during the feeding were filled. Peter, who simply touched the outstretched hand of Jesus on the water, was held up. Faith is touch, it is making contact. Um, faith is touch, it is making contact. Um, invite us to, to, to prayerfully make that contact of faith in our, in our prayers, uh, in our calling out, in our looking to Him and knowing. When, when you fall short, call out again. Uh, Lord, come to me. Jesus, um, save me. And we see again and again wonderfully His coming to us. Let us pray. Father, thank You for this time, for these people gathered here. I pray that You would indeed draw near to them through Your Holy Spirit. Uh, speak, encourage, guide them and be with them this day and always, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.